We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. Today, audio only, no video for this episode, a very special episode of... The Corona Cast. Yes, Davis is back. He stuck around after we did the DraftKings show yesterday. We kind of talked through some stuff as we do on the show. If the show's not for you, then take a hard pass. If you do enjoy it, please leave a rating, leave a review, smash the like button of the episode. We do talk about going back to the gym. We briefly touch on the debate and just what's going on in our day-to-day lives. We talk some fantasy stuff and more industry stuff uh, as in terms of like tools that you can use out there. What are good tools? How to where the money is currently being made right now within the fantasy and betting industry. It's uh, you know, it's all over the place as these shows tend to go, but uh, people tend to like them. I really enjoy recording them. I know Davis does too, so Hope you like it. Do the old double record here, and I can send you the file afterwards. What time is my gym appointment today? I should probably look that up. Just ordered an exercise bike for my house. Like a Peloton? A 130. I got tons of time. Cool. Uh, no, not like a Peloton, not because I'm, I'm too poor to get one, but because I so strenuously object to the idea of paying $40 a month for something I paid $3,000 for just tilts me to know. I I think that's like criminal. Well, you're paying for the Peloton itself in terms of the equipment. And then you're paying for the classes. It's like having a gym membership, but then wanting to do like a Zumba class or something like that, which costs extra. Yeah, so it is It is exactly like that, but theoretically, there really is not that much difference between the $3,000 Peloton and the um, $1,000, uh, you know, there are a million other stationary bike brands, and you could buy, you know, said $1,000 one and, uh, you know, just bike to your heart's content. I mean, maybe the Peloton classes are the most amazing, mind-blowing things of all time, and it just makes you 
you know, so jazzed up to exercise, but I just, I just, I, I really hate the idea of it. I would guess that that the big part of it is that when you pay for the classes, you then feel obligated to do it. And I would think that most people who get a Peloton aren't the biggest like workout people to begin with that you would want like a personal trainer to get you going. I would think that's probably true, or I think that it's probably the other way, because I don't, I don't know if uh, this is the case at your gym, and this has been the case at some of my gyms and not the case at others. When I went to a really, really nice gym in Kansas City when I lived there, like the nicest, most expensive gym in my area, the classes were actually full of people who are just like ripped, you know, like like top 10th percentile, or I guess 90th percentile fitness of people that I would see at the gym. And then when I went to a more suburban, like regular, like average Joe's gym here in St. Louis, the, it was, it was the opposite where the classes were, you know, filled with just normal, normal 50th percentile people. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the correlation there, but I, I assume that my thought would be actually the Peloton is full of the people who are just like fitness freak style people. Hmm, that's really interesting. So the gym that I go to, I don't know if this <clears throat> if the other one is open. There's like two of them that are you ever heard of like Barry's boot camp gym? Like they're like a chain. Uh like not that one specifically, but like sure. I mean I, I understand the concept of it, yeah. So that one is right across the street. Like if I'm running at the treadmill at my gym, I can see into Barry's. <laughs> Uh, and those people are just jacked. Like that as like optimal fitness, like the people in those classes are the ones that so like in the in the states that would be um like orange theory fitness would be the equivalent of that okay so at my gym which is like the biggest chain in canada i go to good life just because they have you can buy for an extra 10 bucks a month you can get like any um, like the all over membership so it doesn't matter what club you go to you can just go to them yeah and they're everywhere so like there's one that's by my house there's one that's by the office if you know when travel used to be allowed that when i would go home at christmas time i could go to the gym there and just it's for the extra 10 bucks a month it was worth not the hassle of like filling out all the paperwork every time that you go in or paying the extra 5 bucks if you go i go to enough of them that it makes it worth my while but the classes at the one that i go to are kind of like the the 50th percentile as well i have you ever done a class at the gym i've never done it no, I've never done it and I never would. It's like not motivating to me. And it like just really, it's like, it, I, I would just hate it. Like it's not, it's not something that interests me at all. Like I, I actually was just talking about this with Bales on this show the other day, but like I, I actually, when I'm at the gym, I do like a very good job of, first of all, you know, being motivated to go to the gym and like, you know, doing solid exercise while I'm there, getting my heart rate up and everything. But like, you know, I, I actually think in a weird way, doing like some kind of like virtual class or something like that. Like, you know, the Peloton app as I'm, I'm like owning myself in this conversation right now, I actually think at home, it would be way more useful to me at the, as opposed to going to a class at the gym. Like that would just feel extraneous to me. Did you tire of the home workouts? Well, for a while I was running outside and I, I hate that. And I, did get, I, I probably was in like a, a month and a half, two month groove of like, you know, free weights and everything at home. I was doing some jump rope was just, was doing assorted stuff here and around the house. And I just, yeah, I've, I've totally like lost kind of as, as football season ramped up. I just, I, I've really fallen off. 
I after the baby came, so my son was born in the middle of May. I did like okay for the first little bit, but once everything kind of got ramped up when he started needed like when he was awake for more than 60 minutes at a time kind of thing. So my right. wife my wife would have one of our sons and I would have like the newborn or we'd switch off of it that it just became impossible to work out at home. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, I just assume, I assume that is, like, an experience that many, many people are having right now, where it's just like, this is terrible. Like, I just, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. Like, the motivation's got to be all-time low for, for at-home workouts. It, it is, and once the gym reopened, that I'm kind of like you. Like, if I go to the gym, that is my motivation. It's getting to the gym. Right. But once you work everything into a routine, you work everything into a schedule, then it's not that big of a deal anymore. But once I'm there, I feel like I work out really hard for the hour that's there. And I absolutely adore the new system that they have set up up here. I, I'm not sure what the regulations are like where you are or where it's specific to anyone else. But in downtown Toronto right now, like I have the app for my gym. It says, are there any spots left from this time to this time? Because they I, – I don't know what the maximum capacity at the gym I go to is. I would guess it's probably like 200 people, maybe a bit more, uh, and they're only letting 54 in at a time. Like that's their new max capacity. They have all like the barriers set up between the treadmills, although no one is using the treadmills. No one's using any of the cardio equipment because you can't shower after you're done there. Right. And you can do that. It's still warm enough. You can still do most of that shit outside anyway. Like why, why would I – why would you reactivate your gym membership to go run on a treadmill when you can legit run outside? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, so I, the thing I would want to do at the gym is I, I love doing the stairs. Like I'm, I'm really in, I'm really into doing the, the stair stepper. Like that's, that's, that's peak for me. So I, I would do cardio at the gym. I have not gone back to mine yet. As far as I know, the gym next to my house, they reduce the capacity by 50%. They, took out a bunch of the equipment to space it out in there. Like they removed half the cardio equipment, spaced it out and then put up big plastic dividers in between them. Like it seems like a reasonable enough um, setup. I just, I still feel a little uh, sketched out about it. Yeah, I found one thing that I've really liked about kind of going back, like you only have an hour. So you, you book your time like mine today is at one thirty, so I can go. And you from, just get it done. And, and like it forces me to like really like kind of go at it as hard as I can. Like I'm not you and everyone sort of feels the same way. At least they're acting the same way. And gym people by and large, at least the people who are going back now, you're not getting as many like casual people going back. Like I have to book my gym time like a week in advance. Like the day that the stuff comes out, I have to go book it or I'm not going to get a spot because people are like gung-ho to get back. So it's the gung-ho gym people that are there anyway who are people who are routinely good with wiping down their equipment. Like that's serious gym people all do that stuff. It's the people that don't put away their weights, that don't wipe stuff down, or the people that go like once every two weeks, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think that my guess would be is that everyone at my gym is doing the same thing. Like there's not people walking around just like, you know, being jackasses. My, my concern is just like, you know, it, it, it seems like the thing that people feel most confident saying about the coronavirus is that like you get it via airborne stuff. And I feel like the gym would just, you know, trap that crap in there. I, and, and maybe that's wrong. And maybe gyms are like, not going to be a, uh, a super spreader type situation or anything, but like, it just, 
just sketches me out, basically. It, it sketched me out, too. So I was hesitant to go back yeah. at first because I kind of felt the same way you did. So I went. I was like, yeah, I, I want to go back to the gym. This is something I like to do. And even during football season where there's such a grind, like I'm doing so much content, I'm at the office, and sometimes like we have big breaks in between shows or editing or exporting. Like I just like to hop over to the gym for an hour, go work out, and come back. And like I can't do cardio because I don't want to do cardio at the gym, not be able to shower and come back and then be on camera for a while. It would just be like a really shitty situation. But everyone's pretty good about it. Like they have the gym people there, like the trainers aren't like they're training a few people. Most people who work at the gym are kind of like walking around being like, yeah, if you're not at your station or at your bench, like you have to be wearing a mask. And like they're like, if you don't wear your mask, like you have to leave. Like they're not afraid to, and when you have some guy who's like six foot four and completely jacked, you tend to listen to that guy a little bit more than you yeah. do just yeah, ra- yeah. random people. It's like, oh, this guy is terrifying. Uh, if he's telling me to wear the mask, probably should put on the fucking mask while I go just kind of casually walk around. But like once you're at your station, some people keep it on, most people don't. But like I said, people are very good about keeping their distance. They re- Gym people really don't want the gym to be shut down again, put it that way. <laughs> No, gym people are gym people are super invested in um, keeping the the gym open. So yeah, I, I I totally see that. My my guess would be is that because it's like mostly young, healthy people who are like maybe maybe not even young, but just kind of healthy people, and they are. I would actually assume that those are people who are kind of like in tune with their bodies. If that makes sense, like they would know. Oh, I'm not gonna go do this thing if I feel unwell. Uh, because I, I don't, and I also would assume, I just would assume, I guess that those people would, uh, you know, just kind of be more conscientious and responsible. So maybe, maybe it's something I'll try out. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this exercise bike is what I need. And I, I will feel that that fulfills what I am, uh, what I'm missing and maybe not, I don't know. I mean, I really wish that I could go to my gym without even like thinking about it and I wouldn't have to sweat it, but it is, that is still something that I don't feel great about. And the, the chit chat, aspect of everything like i said i'm rarely on my phone no one's really ever on their phone anymore and like the idiots who would take up like three machines eight dumbbells have it all in them and they're just like talking the entire time like that's gone which is really nice so you don't need the two hour you know some like and you don't get the idiots like the steroid dudes that are there that just work out for three hours a day like you know you pick your hour that's when you go uh and everyone just kind of like oh i only have an hour i'm actually going to work out when i'm here i think it's actually a pretty decent system <laughs> i mean it to me it sounds it sounds like that's how gym should work anyway so you just you just shouldn't be you just shouldn't uh be there uh, for three hours and like, you know, just lunking yourself around. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, like as a concept. So I'm curious to see when it ever goes back. Cause we're right now in a lot of danger of being like re locked down where yeah. like our second wave has hit here. And we had more cases like two days ago than we had at any other time since March. The big difference being that there's a lot more testing now. So the actual positive rate was only like 1%, where in May it was like 7% or 8%. Super high. Yeah. So they're really trying to tread water. Like all the schools are open, everything like that, so that people kind of expected this sort of thing to happen. But it's good to see that the positive rates are way down. Uh, my wife is freaking out, though. <laughs> she, uh, she just won't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the interesting thing is, is our numbers – in the States are way worse, right? Our, our, both our cases are up and our positive rates are up, but, uh, you know, Hey, if you want to, if you want to move somewhere where you're under no threat of re-entering lockdown, 
buddy, come, come to the United States. We're not, we're not locking anything down. We're opening stuff back up. We got, we got, uh, at the same time that, um, the positive rates are increasing. We are, we are just opening stuff back up because people are, people are sick of it. Well, that, that all comes down to like the choice too. Like, mm-hmm. It it seems here they didn't the, the government didn't mandate a lockdown or anything like that. It seems like it's really on the table, uh, depending on how the next week or so kind of goes. Like if it gets out of control, like they're, they're going to lock down again. But so many people were just devastated last time that I don't know if how many people are going to be able to risk it. And the government program of like if you can't work because of COVID is still a thing. Like people can still survive that way. Um, yeah, but people don't want to go lose their jobs. One and two, it does seem like a lot of people are taking it into their own hands this time. Like I have a friend who manages a restaurant, like a pretty like hoity-toity restaurant, and they have an excellent location for social distancing. Like uh, most of the places that you see, you know, keep keep tables six feet apart. It's like yeah, we, we do, and then you walk in, it's like that is not the case whatsoever. Uh, most of the places yeah. around here, but they have like two floors, they can really space stuff out. And he said, even in the past week, it's like we haven't changed our regulations whatsoever. Like we've been doing a good job of you know everyone wearing a mask, the sanitization, but like people just in general don't want to go out and eat right now because they see the cases are going back up and they're just staying at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would assume similar stuff is happening out in the States. I mean, the only, the only place that I've gone to go get food and stay there, um, there is a, here in, here in St. Louis, there is a, like a, a food truck garden. Like, so like, you know, like five or six food trucks will go and park and then, you know, you can go and sit six feet apart if people are or whatever. And I've, I've gone there a couple of times, but that's, that's the, the most I've gone to go mingle and eat around other people and even that still kind of is like you still feel a little sketchy yeah i've really stopped being sketched out by the entire process like it just seems like it's kind of like (laughs) it's everyday life at this point that's Uh, life now yeah yeah. but people are astonishingly good at least around here at like wearing masks out and whether whether it's just optics or not it does actually make everyone kind of feel better i think uh the amount of hand sanitizer going around like if we had invested in hand sanitizer like a year ago we'd be billionaires right now uh, yeah, if there was a way, if there was a way to get long on uh, on hand sanitizer in January, and you you knew it, you'd be you'd be a rich man. Well, a lot of people did invest in Zoom right away. Like, what happened to Skype? Did Skype really drop the ball with this? Yeah, I uh, I I invested in I invested in Zoom, but I I got out I got out too early. I I assume that what happened with Skype is. Uh, you know, our, our experience with Skype, which is just that, um, it's terrible. It's like not a reliable and useful software. Like it, it is, it is truly the worst. Wow. Zoom is $473, Pat. This is depressing me. What was it in March? Uh, let's go here. One year on March 6th, it was $114. Oh shit. I didn't realize it was, I, I didn't realize it was that much anyway. I sold my Zoom at one hundred and eighty dollars. This is this is this is so depressing. <laughs> well, when Bales was on, what, I haven't listened to the show yet. What did you guys talk about? Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good Bale stuff. He talked about um, investing in digital art, which is not something that I have even given a whole lot of thought of. I also I also did not know that Bales was a, a philosophy major in college. So we talked a little bit of. Uh, of Nietzsche and Sartre and then 
also we we um we had the conversation of like how much is working from home just gonna be like the norm now and i think that we both agreed like working from home is gonna be basically something that people can choose to do instead of something that like the company tells them they can do like you know like two, three years from now, people are just gonna be like, I will get hired by your company, but I am not going to come into the office. I'm just going to work from home. I think companies, it depends on what the business is, obviously, because there is going to be some sort of thing that where, like, let's say that I do the show remotely, essentially, like you and I are speaking right now, so I can do my job remotely. But the shows are always better when I have people in studio with me. So there's going to be a give and take to that. Like, how valuable is it to have people in an office altogether, depending on what your business is? Like, I can get away with never having anyone in the studio with me. My show would be fine. But I do feel like the show is always better when I have someone in. Like, I guess that would be sort of the gauge of your company of whether you need it or not. I just find a lot of people now, it's like, you don't need to come in five days a week. Maybe you come in twice a week. Maybe you come in once a week. Like, that kind of thing. And that seems to be good even with a lot of older people because the pandemic has forced so much technology onto people who were just like absolute nobodies like my grandma can aptly use zoom now she can use facetime now this was not the case six months ago uh yeah i mean that is they yeah i mean i've had i've had zoom calls with my my elder relatives and i'm like wow this is uh the you know the 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 human brain and its ability to like adapt to its circumstances is pretty crazy because I I just you know I would assume that um, you know my my grandparents would have never you know bothered to figure out this technology uh, without without this happening and it is it's it is it's just kind of wild to see somehow my grandma has figured out how to order groceries online and like essential things online yet I don't think she's stumbled onto Amazon yet. Which, as a, I mean, her job for the past 40 years has been, like, professional shopper. She just goes uh, out and buys things at the mall and then, like, returns them the next day. That's what she does with her dates. <laughs> that if she had Amazon, I feel like my grandfather would, like, have to disconnect the internet because I think they would go broke. They would just have, they would just be, they would just be balled out on everything. Yeah, and then she'd be, like, trying to return it, but she doesn't want to go to the grocery store where the post office is where you have to return things. So they just have, like, a stockpile of boxes around. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think that old people discovering Amazon, like I, for, for me, I think old people like seem sketched out by the entire idea of it. Like they, they end up being, um, like they're, they're hesitant to even sign up for it because like, I, I think it like kind of offends their sensibilities of just having literally anything you could ever want at your fingertips two days away like you just get it then it's just yours like i think that there's something about that that like rubs people over a certain age the wrong way i think it goes back to a lot of how people thought about buying things on the internet like ages ago like in Mm -hmm. 2007 like i'm kind of sketched out about putting my credit card on the internet someone might like steal my identity and now like sort of the prevailing thought between people our age a little bit older and a little bit younger it's like well our identity is probably already stolen anyway like what's the difference (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we uh, there was uh, the the Action Network just sent out a big email to everyone who has there is registered there and was like, yeah, we got hacked. They have they have your email. Like these people have your email and your password. It can, it, and I'm sure I've gotten that email many times in my life. I don't want to go too deep into like what your uh, personal passwords are, but do you rank your password depending on the site? 
Like, I have stronger passwords for stuff I really don't want broken into. And then I have weaker passwords that I just kind of remember for shit that, like, you know, I don't really care about. Well, I use a password manager, so I don't have to think about it that much. But, yes, I do have stronger passwords for, like, financial stuff. And it's, like, really long, and I have to write them down on paper so that I don't so that I don't ever, you know, lose them or whatever. And then I just have, like, oh, I'm going to go sign up for add more funds to get air yards. I'm going to make my password very easy. Yeah. Just so you don't have to go look up. Go what dig your something up. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the basic idea. I think everyone does that. If you, if you, if you're listening to this and you have just one password, please just don't, don't do that. Go fix that right now. You, yeah. It's not a good spot. I am kind of on board. Well, I've been talking to this with you on this show for probably like a year and a half now about how I want to move out of here, start working, not necessarily remotely. I would do the exact same thing, just do it from somewhere else. I think I'm finally going to make that plunge. My wife is looking at houses now. In uh, Back in Nova Scotia? Back in Nova Scotia, where my, my mom, I was talking to my mom yesterday. She had to go get a COVID test. I was like, you have one case between four provinces like why are you getting covid tests she's like well i was around someone and they had the sniffles i was like this is the reason why like people are getting it because like you have no real symptoms you think you have system symptoms now you're waiting don't don't, if you don't have symptoms don't go somewhere where other people might have it that's exactly the thing like i we've been watching football at the same bar that we always do every single sunday because they opened up they have like the dividers and no one goes to the fucking place anyway so it kind of works out well but on the way up it's the only time i ever drive this route ever throughout the course of the week but i passed the covid testing center and like two weeks ago it must have been like an eight hour wait like all of you do not have this many symptoms you just don't and you're probably getting it by standing in this line (laughs) yeah uh i so so i actually got the covid test um not that long ago like maybe maybe a month ago the sw- the, and the I, I had no weight. Uh, I, I, they, they're trying a new thing here in the States. I, I did the swab like the nasal swab, but then also they're trying a new saliva test. So I did the saliva test too. And I think they're trying to have you do them together so that they're able to build up a, a sample of the two tests together and their effectiveness. So what they ended up doing here is to decrease the amount of weight. Like if you have symptoms, go wait in this line. Like people are just freaking out. But now at the pharmacies around here, they basically, you can, if you feel asymptomatic, but you want to go get a test, you can go there to go get it. And it's like the, the non-swab one. It's, you know, I don't even know how effective that is. Like what's the, what's the false positive or false negative rate on it? It's probably like 20%, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I think that, I think that it's pretty high. I think both the false negative and the false positive stuff with COVID tests right now, because I mean, again, this is stuff that they've been working on for like six months. Like this is not, uh, this is not finalized science yet. So I think that the, both of those rates are pretty high. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I just found it funny that my mom went and got one of these tests when there's like legitimately no cases where she's at. And the only person, the only reason that they had like one was because migrant workers came in from Mexico and one of the guys had it when he showed up. <laughs> Interesting. People, people fleeing to, uh, people fleeing to Canada. It's not just, it's not just people talking on Twitter. People are actually doing it. No one's actually doing that because you can't actually go into Canada. Our borders are closed. Canada won't reopen its border to the United States. And they shouldn't, they should, they should not, no country should let us in right now. We are, uh, we are a, uh, a Petri dish for, for coronavirus infections. You probably go to like Brazil. 
I, I actually saw a map of this the other day of, of places that are letting Americans in. No, I, I think Brazil is actually one of them. Um, and then it's like, it's like, you know, some Eastern European countries, man, our, our amount of total cases I'm looking at, at, uh, worldometers info right now. It is, I haven't looked at this in a while. This is absurd. This is so many people have the coronavirus in the United States. But hospitalizations are way down, right? Like, isn't that like the argument against like, oh yeah, we should stay up because no one's actually like dying anymore. Isn't that, uh, I, well, I've, I've weirdly tried to stay out of, the entire like it got so much and i think the, when we very we talked we spoke like the the last time we did one of these that i was kind of like yeah i'm just kind of like disconnecting from the news at this point i don't know really what it's helping me do besides being like wow this seems horrible all the time and i just went about living my day-to-day life football coming back really helped that just my entire really helped is really yeah. just consumed with looking at football stuff uh, and just the amount of injuries going on it takes up a lot of my time that I've just been kind of operating as normal. Like if there's a new bylaw, I kind of have like a push alert being like, oh yeah, here are the new rules, but they're not even changing all that much stuff anymore. It's like, wear your mask, you know, stay six feet away from someone, wash your hands and you should be good to go. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, uh, I mean, I just, I haven't looked at these numbers in a while. Like I, I have not been, um, as plugged in, but, uh, this seems crazy. Seven and a half million people in the United States have have had the coronavirus seems like a lot that's all that seems like so many people that seems like an absurd amount of people and i actually i actually now uh know someone who has died of the coronavirus and oh, it shit. did not take long yeah it was about it was about nine days and it, i mean it wasn't like a you know a super close friend or anything it was a uh, like a person in their 60s that i that i knew and uh, it was like went to a dinner party got it from someone at the dinner party somehow and uh died eight days later like really was yeah like crazy fast well that's shitty yeah i mean it's just i i think what it is is that you know it basically at this point i do feel confident saying this you could say coronavirus is the flu um you know we don't know what it does to young people after they're done so on and so forth i i think it seems that like when old people get it that that's it that there's just their bodies are just not strong enough to fight against it like it's just it's a done deal yeah and there's probably no way to figure out who is and who is not capable of fighting it off that that would fighting it that i mean that's my that's my wife's biggest concern about it right now is that like yeah like if any there's four of us in the household there's me her and we have the two kids under 20 months like if any of us get it like we'll probably be okay but at the same time like you know if our one and a half year old son gets it like his lungs fucked up like five years from now like we Forever. don't we, we don't yeah. know like we we, we still want to operate under the prefer not to get it <laughs> that is my yeah i think that that i would say like that's my take right now is if the united states federal government is not going to um, make it possible for people to stay home like if they're not going to put in laws and they're not going to financially assist people then there's there it like asking for lockdowns and shutdowns is completely unrealistic, right? Because you, you just can't have people um, not working jobs for six months at a time, especially because Americans have no savings because we don't have any wealth. Um, but I also am, am terrified of the long-term effects of the coronavirus and some of the things that some scientists believe and some scientists don't believe is that like it, it alters the way your brain synapses communicate with each other. They've had, they found that some people, 
even after recovering from the coronavirus have cognitive deficits, like they're having like short-term memory problems, language problems. And these are like young, healthy people. They think the same thing for your lungs. But then again, other doctors are saying like, you know, this is not controlled, yada, yada. We, we don't actually know yet. I think the most terrifying thing is that we just don't know. And it does seem like people are scrambling so much to figure out like, oh, it does this, it does this, here's what it causes, here's what it doesn't cause, here are treatments, that they're throwing so much shit at the wall that any first sign of, oh, this is positive or this is negative, like if that gets reported at all, that becomes like the prevailing sentiment, which just might not be true. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, and, and I think that th- also this is, um, you know, we had what we had, we had SARS, we had H1N1, but this is the the first fully online pandemic, right? Where where everyone has a cell phone, everyone has Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you know, and like li- like I mean, kids, old people, it doesn't matter. Everyone everyone is online now, and uh, adding adding that that constant connectivity into a global pandemic certainly changes the way that people respond to it. Oh, absolutely. Like, just think about the difference between one of the reasons mainly that public sentiment in Vietnam and the United States really took a turn because it was the first war that was ever on TV. Like, people could watch it on TV as it went along. They were fucking horrified. That Imagine yeah. that during World War II, if you were able to watch World War II on TV from home, like, it would be different. Like, And I, I think I actually haven't heard many people talk about that uh, in terms of what you just said. Like, everyone is just getting all of this information all the time and it's not even whether it's proper information or not proper information they're just reading the fucking headline and moving on and taking it as fact yeah people don't people don't click on articles like people are not people don't read articles dude people don't even subscribe to the new york times or the washington post or whatever um to to read those articles like it yeah it's it's like it's like headlines it really is it's wild yeah, and, and you'll be able to find a headline that you like, which supports whatever you think based on nothing anyway. So it, it's really just an endless loop. It's like the debate. Like, if you were an undecided voter, how could you watch that oh, debate? I, I, didn't, I did not watch that debate. You not did, a chance. Oh, come on. I mean, I'm watching it from outside of your country, so it's just pure hysterics to me. But, like, anyone yeah. who tuned into that and be like, oh, I'm going to vote for either of these two, just, like, kill me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean uh, the I, the idea of an un, like to be an undecided voter in this election, you have to be at like a very low level of cognition to even to even be there. So I I think that's so stupid, and I just I would only like watching Donald Trump talk for an hour. Um, I I just there's just I, you couldn't pay me. I mean, there's there's that side of it too. I mean, you literally couldn't be paid to watch Joe Biden talk for an hour because I don't know if he can talk for an hour. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't. I only watched, um, you know, the the clips that kind of surfaced on Twitter and stuff. But it, it seemed like what people were complaining about was they were trying to talk over each other too much. But I didn't hear anyone um, be like, "Oh, Sleepy Joe," like he seemed like no one. I did. I, the The prevailing take was not that Joe uh, couldn't couldn't speak well, but obviously that's like his big thing is he's a gaff machine. Well, I I found just from watching it, like if Trump hadn't been so petulant trying to talk over everyone, like his, the move in the next debate for Trump, if he wants to like, and you could make the case that he won that debate, although there were no winners, especially anyone who watched it like that. That's the whole thing. Like there are no winners. Like it was so bad on both fronts. Like poor Chris Wallace was just like, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I'm involved with this. But 
if Biden didn't have it down, what he was going to say, like the quick thinking that he needed, like he just started rambling, he started stumbling, didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Like if Trump had just let him talk, it would have worked out better for Trump, but Trump just can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's always, um that is like the funniest thing is when, um when people are like, oh, you know, Trump is just this, this genius politician and he's got, he's got the Democrats up against the ropes. Like, I mean, I think Trump's guys, like I think Trump's people are uh, very, very intelligent politically, but like Trump himself can't even do what would be needed to be done to win the election, which is just shut up and let Joe Biden gap his ass off. Like he, like you could tell Donald Trump, you are guaranteed to win this election. You will win. You will, you will punish all of the haters and losers of which there are many. If you just shut up and let him talk for an hour and he would not, he would be completely incapable of doing that. It really fundamentally, I think it comes down to, and this is why, you know, even when you look at like all the new polling, like Biden's way out in front. Oh, a political bet. Uh, Democrats to win the state of Georgia right now uh, in the electoral college is plus 175. Polling would show that that should be somewhere like, you know, either if we're adding vig to each side. Oh, this is uh this is something I talked about with Bales. We talked about the concept of political polling and my take was that the people who are super into political polling, you know, the people who are doing the polling and then, you know, well, not so much the people doing the polling, but the people interpreting the polling results. My take is that um those people didn't have not adjusted and changed their models enough and uh, you know, change the way they did things enough after they got the that crazy upset from 2016. My guess is that the models function very similarly to the way they did in 2016, and they did not change enough. Oh, I was going to go the other way with it, that I think that there's probably nothing wrong with the modeling just because polling itself has changed so much in the past four years just because of Trump and trying to kind of find out where either what his wedge issues are or the people who voted for him that, you know, I don't think it was so much Trump that broke the polls. I think that the polls didn't estimate in how much people hate Hillary Clinton. And that was really the big part of all of this, that when you put someone who's like neutral, like Joe Biden, who people are kind of indifferent to, but don't hate, like objectively hate, that polling will go back to making more sense like it used to and be more accurate. But there's so many people who don't trust the polling anymore because it was so wrong last time that I actually think that there might be an advantage to actually trusting it this time around. I could be way off on it. So this is why this is why I disagree. I think that the people who vote for Donald Trump lie about it in the polls. I think that I think that. But that but but that's factored in now. Like we know that Trump Trump basically has a base of like 36 percent of the vote. Yeah, you could just factor that into the poll. It's the people in the middle. And realistically, when you watch this, my biggest takeaway from the debate, like if I didn't know who I was voting for. And you just kind of look at it like Trump's just he's, he just seems like a really bad dude. Like if you are a sociopath or you just don't care about other people like Trump is for you. Like he, he doing yeah. what he says he's going to do. Like I, I get yeah. like if you didn't care about other people, why you would do that. And a lot of people don't care about other people. They care about themselves. They care about their families. Like and Biden doesn't seem like he's the most competent guy in the world, but at least he does seem like he cares about people like that's. I really think going to be the ending deciding issue unless this uh, Supreme Court justice thing ends up becoming the real issue. And if that's the case, Trump might win. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty fortuitous timing for all for all Donnie. I actually think it's just not going to end up mattering. His, it's, she's just going to get confirmed before the election, right? And, well, if that's the case, then all of the people who voted Trump for the Supreme Court vote just don't have to vote for him. Right? They might just stay home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a matter. It's just, um, I guess it would kind of seem to be a matter of what what do, what is more important to the people who are behind Donald Trump's campaign like is it is it more important is it more important for them to get the justice in so that they can overturn Roe v Wade and all that stuff and 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 do all of like the you know the the fundamentalist crap or is it more important for them to get Trump in the presidency for four more years where like let's be honest the the people who are voting um in the primaries and everything for for senators and for um for the house of representatives, like they're, they are going to get donked on those for the next four years of Trump wins. So it's going to be very hard for them to push stuff out from the executive branch. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, it, I don't, if you, if you are a Biden person or you're just really an anti-Trump person hearing all of the, Oh, well, Biden's going to win like 350 electoral college votes. Can't be like yeah, that, that. That has to be yeah, kind of terrifying. <laughs> no. That's got it. That's got to stop. People have to stop talking about that. We got to that is that's um, that's like the most tilting thing to me, actually, is when is when we get when we get the people who are like, oh, Biden's going to win for sure. Biden's pulling 10 points ahead, like all of that. If you were one of those people um, spreading that stuff around, please stop saying that. Like, don't this is uh, this is this is going to be win on the like this is going to be one on like one or two swing states and you know it would not surprise me if it came down to like a thousand total votes in you know wisconsin or whatever like do not be talking about this like it's going to be a blowout i mean biden will win biden will win the popular vote by 10 million votes probably but that doesn't matter yeah yeah well that that's the really interesting thing like it, it's so alarming and, and this was like kind of the big twitter thing uh, and when we talk about like undecided voters, that kind of thing, like, maybe they don't even exist at this point. But when Trump uh, refused to acknowledge her, f- refused to denounce white supremacy in any sort of form, like he didn't lose any voters by doing that. And I think that's no, no one he, cares. Yeah. Like everyone who was voting for him already knows that. And everyone who wasn't voting for him, it's like, yeah, he's a white supremacist. Sure. Yeah, we know. Or, or, <laughs> or knows that or like doesn't care. Right. It's just like, uh, you know, it's more important for me to not pay taxes than it is to disavow uh, white supremacy. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really weird because that blew up on the internet like that was such the big talking point like, i can't believe like this was such an easy opportunity to do it but to him that doesn't like i i just don't feel like that swings any votes to or like if he had denounced it that might actually have lost him votes <laughs> yeah i mean if trump if trump came out right now and was like look i don't want nazis voting for me i don't want uh, white supremacists voting for me that that undisputedly hurts him at the polls. I think I don't even I don't even know if anyone would argue that with you. No, but I, that's why I found it so shocking that people seem to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe he didn't say it. it's like, well, I can. I, I get why he didn't say it. It's stu- like it's not what I would say, but I do understand what and maybe he just doesn't even fucking know what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he doesn't know who the Proud Boys are. He doesn't. He doesn't know. I, I would be I'm comfortable saying that Donald Trump doesn't know who the Proud Boys are. The one thing that I found very, I guess, if you didn't watch, uh, that especially when talking about, like, basically guaranteeing that there's a vaccine, like, two weeks away, and it's funny to throw, like, he's pro-vaccine, pro-get, 
pro getting vaccinated with his vaccine. And I would guess that most like anti-vaxxers would probably be Trump voters. That just is a very logical leap in my mind. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're super like yeah. left wing type people. I don't know. But Biden's like, yeah, I wouldn't trust that. It's just so funny to have like that role reversed. The, the two things flipped. Yeah, that is funny. I wonder what is even, I guess, like, what is Donald Trump's people telling him about the vaccine delete? Like, is he just saying that because he thinks it sounds good? Is it, are his people telling him like, oh, actually, no, this is close. Like we're working on it like that. That feels very odd to me. I knew, well, from what all that it seems is that no one is saying that there is a vaccine close besides Trump. <laughs> And he's just saying it so it makes a headline and then people will read Donald Trump says vaccine is very close. And they'll be like, oh, great. That's good news. Way to go, Trump. Yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> he's got it. He's got it all solved, right? Yeah. Just he's he's figured out that people don't people pretend like they pay really close attention to this and they really don't. Like, they most, really don't. Yeah. I and, mean, that's and, you. what that is 100 percent true. And, and the Twitter people like to think that, you know, everyone is invested as they are. But that is such a small fucking minority of the population that most people hear like two or three things and like they're in. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. 100 percent. You're right. Yeah. No, I mean, like I, w- I would say because like what happens is, is there's a difference between being like online and then like being on Twitter. Like people who are on Twitter all the time are like, and I'm one of these people, they are like very online in a very different way because Twitter is easily the most negative, most terrible. Uh, so online social media, like it'll, 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 it's the worst for your mental health for sure. Maybe we should just quit it all. Quit all the social media. I guess our jobs wouldn't be very good then. We'd lose our jobs. Yeah, uh, I need I I and I like some aspects of Twitter a lot, and other aspects are uh, terrible. Yeah, they're mostly terrible. I, I just I always forget. I don't know why I forget because I've been doing this for over ten years now. Just the the discourse surrounding football versus other sports, like the interactions that you get, are bad. Like they're just so yeah. much, and there's a lot of great people. Listen, you, you know, there's many people, many good people on both sides great, of the Twitter. Great, hey, great people on both sides, bud. <laughs> and like someone asked me during an AMA the other day, it's like, you know, what do you enjoy having people like recognize you? And very few people do recognize me, but it happens from time to time just because my face is out there a lot. And I was like, most of the time, it's the absolute worst thing that ever happens in my day or week. But I have made some really good friends. Uh, from like interacting with random people that I've met turned out to be really good dudes. We get along and like, we go have a beer and just become friends out of it. Like that's happened. I have friends today. That's how I've met them. But most people walk up to me, hand me their phone and tell me to fill out their lineup for them. Like that's not a fun interaction. (laughs) No, that sounds terrible. That, uh, that, that does not sound, that does not sound great. I would, I, I've been recognized a couple times and it's always been cool though. Like no, no one's ever, um, no one's ever tried to, have me fill out their lineup for them. So I feel blessed. So I feel like I'm on the very low scale of this in terms of recognizability. I I can't imagine like someone like Matthew Barry, like that must just be like the, the worst type of being recognizable. Yeah. Where, where you're not famous enough to meet beautiful women who want to hang out with you or other famous people who want to hang out with you. It's literally just nerds, like literally only nerds. Yeah. Like you you don't, maybe he does have the clout. 
to be like, yeah, I'm not waiting in this line. I'm going to go up to the front and be like, hey, I'm Matthew Barry. I'm going to go walk I, in. I, I I bet he does. I bet I bet Matthew does. It, he was in the freaking Avengers Endgame, dude. Like he he Matthew has some clout, but he is like the most famous guy in our space. Yes, yeah, so that's why I used him as the example. Uh, but like just half. I wouldn't even say half. It would probably be like 95% of interactions that he would get. Probably, you fucked me when you told me to start this guy over this guy. Like, oh my God. Like, we're, we're out in real life here. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the worst? Do you have like a one specific terrible getting recognized story? Or is it all just kind of like, who do I start? Jameson Crowder or, or Jerry Judy? It, it's most of that stuff. There was a person who stopped me in the middle of the street one time when I was like, I was in a rush to get home to pick up my son. This was like last November or so. Like my son had just started at daycare for the first time and I was rushing home. I was taking the subway to go get it. He stopped me in the middle of a crosswalk when I'm like trying to get to the subway because I know it's going to be backed up to get in. And he like basically stood in front of me after the light changed. Like we need to get out of the fucking middle of the road for first things. And like, he had his phone out being like, look at my team, look at my team. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, this is both good in the sense that, you know, people watch the show. This is, this is good news. Like, but this is the worst personal interaction that I could have ever had with anybody. Yeah. I I've never, I've never had anything. Like I've had people be like, are you Davis Maddock? I follow you on Twitter. It actually just happened to me. You should just Um, say no. (laughs) No, no, because I like it. I, 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 I think I actually probably have a bigger ego than you. Like I, like I actually think I would even like the terrible interactions. To be honest with you, it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't have things that I was like, I had an objective and I had a time limit to go do. And anything involving my kids now, I've become one of those people where I'm just like fucking mental over it all of the time. Like I, I, I finally get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, I guess I don't have as many demands on my time. Well, you just stay at home all the time. Yeah, I, I really, I really don't. I really don't do much. I just, you know, I grind, I grind uh, a lot of fantasy sports and that's mostly what I do. Like, there's a guy currently freaking out at me on Twitter for golf picks because his golf picks aren't doing well. And he used a bunch of guys that I didn't even pick. <laughs> well, that's his own fault. He's like mad about like, like verbally swearing at me saying some very awful, awful things. It's just weird, weird behavior. I guess, I guess we're kind of like, did you ever see the South Park episode where Butters just had to deal with the mentions for celebrities on social media? He just had to absorb all of the hate. I guess that's sort of the role. Is that the main role of a fantasy analyst is just take, just take heat from be the, be the punching bag for people because they need to get it off their chest. I actually, um, I like don't really answer start sit questions on Twitter anymore. And I, I think that's kind of absolved me of that. Like, I don't, I don't really get beat up by that stuff anymore, which seems nice. I don't really do a lot of uh, start sits on Twitter, but I'll do like the live show where it's like, start this guy or this guy. It's like, start this guy. Like, I'm not even really thinking about it all that much. Just like first name that pops into my head. A, a quick tip for anyone who does ask you one of those questions. If anyone ever leads a question with, I really want to play X, but you have Y ranked higher. Always, I will always tell the person to play the person that they've already suggested that they want to play. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, I just you're I gonna will, play him either way anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna get me to be like, oh, don't play this guy because I definitely don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I, I, there, there, there's no upside to me saying the other guy at this point. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it's just it's always it's always so tilting. Like when you are like. 
meaningfully above consensus on somebody and then they don't have a good game and it's just like great twitter is going to be awful for me for the next 48 hours like twitter's supposed to be fun and instead it just ends up being like fantasy football is supposed to be fun and instead it ends up just being terrible well that's what happened with you in uh the the, the latka guy right yeah yeah visca chanel the, there, there was also no reason for you to have anyone ranked that high who has no proven track record whatsoever like i took a lot of heat for my mike davis ranking last week i was like this logically makes sense well on fantasy pros i literally would only ever rank someone that high just for the clout right because then if he does good you're like wow uh it's it's like all the clout yeah is it who is it clout from though that's the one thing i don't understand about fantasy pros like i've never understood it like who is giving you this clout? fantasy pros as a business model is like uh it's like like uh questionable ethically at best so um i don't i don't mind tossing in a lavisca chanel wide receiver 12 every once in a while yeah, but like, do you have to like? I, I've never really participated in, it, and they don't seem very eager to have me participate in it. So it, it's a very good relationship that way. But like, do you have to go submit your rankings, or they just take your rankings? Uh, for some people, like I use it because it um, allows me to have like an API widget that um, just displays my rankings. It's very easy for me to like publish and do all on my own. Okay, but I know I know that in the past. Like that is one of their selling points is like, oh, that's why you should do rankings on our site because it's very easy to share with people. But I know that in the past they have like taken Matthew Berry's rankings off of ESPN and published them like without permission. Ah, see that and that becomes I've noticed this a few different ways because I know a few people and I just I looked at like the competition that goes on for like the most accurate rankers kind of thing. Um, if you were to keep up to date on all of the news and just rank a lot of people and make sure your rankings are updated like five minutes before the games lock, you're probably going to finish inside the top 20. Yeah, you could, you could grind it. You could grind it. Um, like it, if, it if, you, if, you, being... if you really wanted it, you could do it. And that's why I felt, uh, that's why I always wondered about, do they take rankings from other people? Like if they take, I don't know, like, like someone like Matthew Berry's rankings and they take his rankings from like Wednesday or whenever they come out and they're never updated. Like, yeah, he's not going to do very well. <laughs> Like that seems yeah, wildly no, I, unfair, and it's like that sucks. Yeah, I and mean, I'm sure, I'm sure when they were grabbing Matthew Berry stuff, I'm sure they weren't grabbing it five minutes before lock. I'm sure they were grabbing it on like Friday afternoon and putting it in or whatever. Yeah, so that seems relatively disingenuous. Yeah, and that's why people have a problem with the fantasy pros business model. I guess if they're not taking if, if they're not taking anyone's rankings who aren't submitting them, I don't see what the problem is. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's a way to provide cause they charge, right. Cause fantasy pros charges for their, their, you know, their stuff and they do it through the work of people. They're not paying a lot of the times. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose that is true. Yeah, but they don't, they don't charge you to look at people's rankings. That's just like an aggregated free service, isn't it? Yeah. But they have like uh like here I will go. I believe they call it the fantasy pros edge membership. Maybe I'm not, I don't, I don't, I, there's so many different, um, Fantasy Pros has some kind of premium membership and they have like the, you know, who should I start, waiver assistant, free agent finder, trade analyzer, all that stuff. And that all is fed in from rankings that they are not paying for. 
Ah, interesting. We have that at uh, ftnfantasy.com. It's one of the tools, like it's the start-sit tool, basically, but it's just based off projections for the week. You can do them for the week, next four games, for the rest of the season. It'll just match up as many players as you want next to each other and show you where they succeed kind of thing. And you can filter in your own stats. So if you want, like, market share of targets, if you want, um, you know, air yards, that kind of thing, you can just set those up and actually see people close together so yeah i would recommend ftn fantasy ftn daily ftn bets for any of these tools i like tools i I gotta say like that was our big thing at fantasy national was we don't want any content on this site we want it to be easy to use tools uh as many as possible make them as customizable as possible uh because golf fans seem to really like that and people it's really weird to me like just based on a lot of these interactions, but it seems like the people that would actually buy these products, and it seems to be more of them, are people that want to make their own picks. They don't want to listen to me or you make picks. Like, they'll listen to us because, you know, maybe it's fun to listen to, or we have a good debate, or they hear a staff they didn't hear. But I I would feel that most, especially our audiences in general, and I guess the only one that this wouldn't really pertain to would be, like, my the show I do with Seeley, which is like a really highly like trafficked show on the internet in terms of like views compared to everything else. But that seems to be for people who just want to know, do I start this guy or this guy? And I can, I can go on with my week, but most people want to make their own picks. Don't they? Most, most people who want to go out of their way to listen to fantasy football podcasts that are not ESPN's uh, fantasy focus or the fantasy footballers, or I guess the CBS show too, as well. probably And and fantasy pros, Mike, Mike rates. Well, that gets a lot of downloads. Yeah. So my, my 200,000 per episode. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's a very attractive space to be in for that, for that episode, uh, for that show. So my, my guess would be, People listening to this show or, you know, your show, people listening to the, the Sports Grid Fantasy Football podcast, people listening to uh, the Road of His Radio, those people want tools. They want stats. They want tools. They like some content, but they like that content to be very stat driven. Like they don't, they just don't want people's takes for the most part, right? They want, they want data, they want tools, and they want to be able to play around with it on their own. Well, I would think that my audience is kind of in between, just because I do more of an entertainment-based show rather than a stat-driven show, that I think people like the takes. They don't necessarily agree with the takes from me or my guests. Uh, I would, You probably fall into the same category, too, that no one really cares what our picks are. They like to hear us talk about it uh, and debate some sort of yeah. stuff, but we can push people to tools that actually help them win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I think that um, people enjoy hearing people they like and so even if I think, I think even people who hate me, think I'm bad at fantasy, think I can't win, whatever, I think that they would still say when I'm on shows, like I at least present the information in a way that makes you think about the information one way or the other. And I would say the same is true for you, especially with um, golf stuff. Like it's just, it's even if you think the pick is bad, you're at least thinking about the pick selection in a way that helps you make decisions for that week. Yeah, I'm better at golf, too. I I think I've hammered out the best way to present golf versus football. Like, football, where I'm still catering to season-long players, to DraftKings players, to now bettors. I mean, we've been doing the betting for a long time, but now people are just more interested in betting that there's weird different levels of people, like people who watch the season-long fantasy football show, which still rates the highest in terms of video, like I mentioned. They just, they still don't understand what a spread is. Like, it's just, it's it's a different audience for each show, which I always found was really weird. 
yeah, I mean, I guess it's weird to me because I either listen to a podcast or I don't listen to a podcast. Me you too. Know? Like for the most part, for the most part, I guess, I guess the one that I keep in my feed that I don't listen to every episode is um, the Bill Simmons show. Like I don't, I don't listen to every episode of that show because he just has some like really boring guests that I don't care about at all. But for the most part, I will listen to every episode of a show when I am when I'm subscribed to it. It's really strange with uh, like the, the Simmons podcast. Cause I'm sort of the same way. Like I, I, it feels like everyone's kind of turned on Bill Simmons. They don't like him. I, I like to listen to his podcast, but I, I like to listen to one, the one with cousin Sal. I like to listen yeah. to the one that he, I mean, I, I don't mind the one he does with Ryan Rosillo, but it just seems like they're more like buds talking. And that's always yes. the style of podcast that I'm more attracted to rather than, Oh, like, I don't know. I feel like I would want to read something from someone that was like sharp analysis, like, like Warren Sharp, for example, although Warren's really good on these shows, but like, if I go to like Warren Sharp's analysis, like I know what I'm reading. I know that it's going to be good. I'm going to learn something. I don't need to necessarily listen to him for an hour and a half talk because it's not, you know, it's not the loosest hour and a half. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and like, I, I actually, what I, my experience with that show is like, I just do not care when he has celebrities on like when he has uh here let's let's just go through here and look at his feed um when he has like or or when he had Raja Bell Kevin O'Connor on don't care I, I actually uh, I, he, I I listened to that episode I actually like that one <laughs> but that's yeah, how I, I mean I like it he's so entertaining like like Simmons can be as wrong about stuff as you want whatever we all get stuff wrong he just is an inner like he just knows how to how to host a podcast and how to uh, keep people entertained for an hour. Like he's just very good at it. Well, I, I just find it's very, it's very weird. Like when I look at the video numbers, like the show with Celie and I does the best. When I look at the audio numbers, the show that I do with Jeff and Tim does by far the best. Like it's not even close, like on both sides. It's just so weird that so many people would tune in, but there's so many people that tell me like, if Tim is on a show, I refuse to listen to it. I was like, that's weird. Um, Cause people- That's on you, bro. Yeah, just because those tend to be the most popular audio shows, but like video wise, like the more informational guests tend to do better on video, the more casual guests tend to do better on audio. It just, I, I would have thought it would have been uniform across the board. Well, and also the cussed show people are probably like the Mayo super fans. Like those are, those are people who really like the show and have been listening to it forever and they probably never miss an episode. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the me, Jeff, and Tim, like, football show, but it's also, like, it's the longest one of the week, it's the funniest one of the week. Like, I don't know if it's, like, a super fan style. I think it's just, like, I don't know, like, when we just did the DraftKings show, it's a lot more, I wouldn't say it's more serious than, like, any other week, but it's more serious than how we're talking right now. Like, it's it's more of, like, a structured show. Here's what we're going to talk about here. And while that show is the same way, it can just go off the rails at a moment's notice. I guess there's some sort of appeal to that. Yeah, I mean, people, if if they're, if you're not in, like, if you're not, like, a serious, like, I need the information and I need it now, like, you, you want shows that are going to go off the rails as much as possible, probably. Yeah, I think that's a problem that people have with my shows. Like, they're long. Uh, some of them stick to the point um, very easily, and, like, they're all time-coded and everything like that. But I, I do think that I kind of hit a better sweet spot when it's conversations like, not necessarily like this, because this is really about nothing, but when we do the spread show or when Jeff and I do the golf show, that we can kind of talk about anything in the framework of that show. It doesn't really matter. That I think 
and maybe that's why it does, but now that I'm talking this out loud, I think audio-wise, that's why it does better, because people who listen and download audio podcasts don't really care about the time. Like, two hours, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably those people are like, the longer the better. Like, they want to see like a four-hour show. Yeah, I'm, I wonder if they're, because yeah, I was thinking about launching an entirely new podcast on an entirely new feed. Uh, let me throw this in, because I'm looking for someone to do it. I just don't have the time to do it, uh, nor do I want to do it. I want to produce it, get it out there, help promote it. And I thought it would be good for the video channel, too, just to kind of repurpose both. Is there, and maybe this already exists, just nothing that I'm currently aware of, but basically like a three to five minute recap of injuries or news of the day that's just available by the time you wake up? Like just here's what happened and it's five minutes. Yes, CBS Sports does that. Did they do? Did they do it well? Uh, I don't know. I never listened to it. CBS Sports Fantasy Football Podcast. It's five minutes? Yeah. Oh, see. Well, I also I don't know I don't know if they do it anymore because they were doing it when Gretch was there and maybe they don't do it anymore. Yeah, see, I, I do think that there should be. A, I, I don't know for sure, but it feels like there should be a market for something like that for like pure information people. Oh, I didn't have time to go onto like Roto World and scroll through eight pages of notes. What are like the what? What's everything that happened in rapid fire succession? <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I know that this podcast existed. I'm not crazy. Well, it doesn't sound okay, like maybe they don't. It sounds like they don't do it anymore because I can't. I can't find it. But like, why couldn't you tailor a product that is an audio podcast, a video, and maybe even like a newsletter that you subscribe to that you get, and you can opt in or out of whatever sport that you want? But this should exist for football, baseball, basketball, hockey, any sport that just kind of relies on injuries. That like, here's the latest, and here's what happened yesterday. Okay, I lied. It is still here. Fantasy football today in five. Every every day, five minutes exactly. But does it they ex- do it? Does it exist for every sport? Uh, seems like just football. Okay, that's a good idea. It's a good idea for a podcast. Did not realize that existed. <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah, I'm just shocked more people because Brad uh, Brad Evans podcast like it's 15 minutes. I think that's. I think that's a good length. Like if you're not going to be super long, be super short. Yeah. So if you're not going to go two hours, don't go 53 minutes. Like that's, that's kind of middling it. Uh, I I mean, I go 53 minutes a lot of the time. Like I try to keep it right around an hour for the non, like obviously super duper long shows. I think that's enough because I do a show every day too. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think it's different. I guess everyone's probably just looking for something different. It's different if you're doing an info, like if you're doing an informational show, like this is a show people are going to listen to, to get information, to try and win at their fantasy sport. Um, I would, I would say probably like probably 30 minutes is honestly the sweet spot for like informational shows. I would think less. You think, you think like 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you get in, you get out. These are the plays. Yeah, because if someone is actively searching for an information-only show, they really don't give a shit about who's giving the information, that they just want the information, they want the pick, and they want to be done with it, get in and out as quickly as possible. Like uh, Beer Maker's videos, like the quick picks that he does for grinders, like it, it's a really good concept for a video. Here are the picks, here are the plays. You get to watch it for two minutes and you're out. <laughs> I And there's a huge, there's a huge market for that. Like there is a... There is, uh, like, pe- 
we we like because I think you and I probably like to consume content that's like informational, entertaining, and you know keeps us immersed. It's in the background for a long time, but a lot of people just want to get in, click the picks, and get out and and find money in their account later. Yeah, that's almost impossible to do. No one's that good. <laughs> that's why in terms of like here because like i i brought back the triple play this year which is like a two minute video here are three picks at each position and here's here's one pick over three positions of three guys that i'm using this week kind of thing um you could use all the th- all those three guys and still lose you could ha- use all those three guys and they suck and you could still win like that's i i they do good traffic wise that's why i do them and i try to make them as fun as possible but at the same time like if you were really serious about getting in and out with something like a cheat sheet would be better, wouldn't it? Cheat sheet would be better, but you have to pay for those, right? Yeah. Has anyone... People don't want to pay. People want the picks for free. Is there a way that, so, I mean, I, I'm working with one site. Um, I mean, I'm working with two sites really like uh, with FTN daily for football and all the other sports and fantasy national for golf. Those are both sites that if you want to use like the premium tools, you have to pay for them at daily roto. You have to pay for the premium tools. Every site you have to pay for the premium tools. Do you think yeah. that there would be any sort of market for a site just doing this all for free and trying to figure out another way to monetize it? Cause everyone would go to it. Yes, but it would have to be, like ESPN would have to do it or CBS would have to do it or Yahoo would have to do it. It'd have to be a place where they could, they could lose $5 million on it or whatever and, and be fine doing that. And it would have to be, it would have to exist as a way to funnel sports betting referrals. And that's how, that's how it would be justified to the, like the business people. Yes. Or, or like if you're one of the, like, what if just, what if DraftKings had it? Uh, that I, would make me feel I do, sketchy. Yeah, well, I, I don't even know if it's legal or not. But like, let's say that they had an optimizer, they had whatever, they had every tool that's behind a paywall, every other thing. They made it free because it encourages people to play more on DraftKings, which is logical, I would think. I think that's actually a company that could get away with doing that and making it free because they would legitimately just be funneling the money back into themselves because it would encourage more people to play all the time. Or if that was something you just first got interested in, well, DraftKings has all these free tools. I'll play on DraftKings or I'll bet on DraftKings over anywhere else. I don't know the legality behind that. I'm sure that's probably why they don't do it, but it would have to be a place like that. I think that would do like, could Yahoo do it? They, they have daily fantasy that no one plays. Yeah, I mean, one of these sites could do it, but it would. The hard part is, is like no one inside the company is lobbying for that because it's more work and it's a lot of work. Like to maintain good projections and optimizers, it's like a, it's like a, a huge amount of work. Yeah, people's jobs are to do that. Like at at small sites, people's jobs are to do that. But you think yes, like the- there are, there are people at. Daily Roto at FTN at Roto Grinders, like their whole job is making sure that the optimizer works, that it doesn't, that when it breaks, it gets fixed, that the projections are right. Like it's, it is, it, it's not something you just like slap dick together. No, but you already have all this infrastructure that's there already. You have entire tech teams that you're already paying for to, I mean, your entire business is a tech business. Uh, it's an app business. That's all it is. So you think you would have the right developmental people to go do this. And like, uh, Leone is over at Establish the Run right now. After leaving with you guys, he's over at Establish the Run. But like, what if DraftKings was like, hey, hey, Leone, here's a million dollars a year. Make sure our optimizer works. <laughs> I just, I think the thing is, is you would have a hard time as DraftKings. Selling that. Just, 
justifying that expense, yeah, to your to your shareholders and everything, because probably what ends up happening is it just ends up getting it. What what that does is it keeps people who are already on your site on the site longer, I guess, but it probably drives out a lot of your whales because the games get harder. Ah, see, that's a really, see, this is why we talk this stuff out loud with doing no research beforehand. Just what sounds like a good idea, maybe not be a good idea. Yeah, you probably would lose. It would make the casual player a lot better playing on that site. Yeah, I mean, so like, just like, for example, like I get head-to-head games where people just play terrible lineups against me. Like for like, like, you know, like I'll just get, you know, I'll get like a $50 game and people will use like two tight ends or like fade Kyler Murray at quarterback for, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like they'll just play random guys. And if there was an optimizer on site to fix that, I just, those, I wouldn't get those games anymore. Suppose that's true. So yeah, you'd have to figure out a way, like you said, to funnel it through two affiliates for sports books. Because that's, if people don't know, that's where all the money currently is. <laughs> yeah, all the money is in trying to get your yourself aligned with, um, you know, a, a website that's going to make more money, uh, a sports betting site that's going to make more money in the future. Oh, John Brown, back at practice, just popped up on my thing. Oh, no, this is terrible news, dude. We just did the show where I, I was talking all about Gabriel Davis. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to be releasing this on my feed until tomorrow morning, so it's going to be even more out of date. Maybe he'll miss practice on Friday, and everything will be good. Well, I just I've been I've been owned by Gabriel Davis. What a what a tough scene. Play him anyway. Now no one's going to play him. Yeah, I I, I like I like the angle. He's just got to score. He's got to score like a a 14 yard touchdown, and he's good. I do. I always wonder about that. Like, obviously, you can have kind of like dead spots in your lineup. And if it comes from a cheap guy, it's not the end of the world. But like, if you pay 3200 bucks for if you're trying to like win a giant GPP, like it was like Corey Davis, I think a few weeks ago, or who was it? No, it was Ronald Jones. The week that Ronald Jones had the touchdown, he was mega chalk. And he only scored like 10 DraftKings points. Like that didn't help anyone. Uh, yeah, but Robert Tan. I mean, the the example people use now is Robert Tanyan scored zero points and was in the um second second place millionaire maker winning lineup. That feels like it's so like weak dependent. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you need the the stat is that you need a, the the average production for every roster spot needs to be around twenty five points to win the millionaire maker. Tough to do. I don't think I've ever had that. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't think any, I mean, very few of us have ever had it. Like 50 people ever have had it. Yeah. Well, there's, we have one guy at FTN, two gun. He's won like three millionaire makers. <laughs> That's crazy. Like two gun. Yeah. He's, he's a crusher. Yeah. So two gun does this article where he sets his exposures behind the paywall. And like, I go and look, I go and look at them. I'm like, I wouldn't play these lineups for the life of me. And then he just keeps like raking. <laughs> like It's crazy. It was like, really? That's where you came from on this. But like his thought process makes so much sense to try to beat 150,000 people. Yeah, I mean, you just the the thing is is if your goal is to try and win those massive fields, you you just have to you just have to um like just do very weird off the beaten path stuff. Like I I think even uh I believe that one of the Seattle wide receivers was not even on the million. Like I think Metcalf was not even on the Millie maker winning team last week, which is like everyone double stacked Russ. Like you, you just have to be perfect at every spot. Like that's why I prefer like the 1000 to 10,000 people sized um, single entry tournaments on DK. 
Yeah, I've been playing. I actually did this approach in golf a little bit more. Like I stopped playing the Millionaire Maker. I stopped playing like the giant fifteen dollar, ten dollar, whatever it was. And I basically just took all of that money and invested it into either like the two hundred dollar single entry, the one hundred dollar single entry, and try to find which of those tournaments has the fewest amount of people in it. Like you can find a really good like hundred dollar single entry, four hundred and forty four person. Like it got to the point where like yeah, I would like to win a million dollars. No, I'm not going to win a million dollars if I looked at my account and I won $10,000 by beating 400 people, I'd feel really good about that. And I just kind of switched my expectations up a little bit. And it's maybe a lot, but I've been far more profitable. (laughs) I mean, I can, I can tell you, it's just, it's just a lot easier to beat a thousand people than it is to beat 150,000 people. You have to get far fewer. I mean, the, the lineup, I won a bunch of money last week. I literally got like two things, right. And it just, it's all you need. Yeah. It's just the the room for error is so much higher, which is great because I'm going to make one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, like the the fifty dollar, the hundred dollar, the threats. They do a three thirty three. Um, that's three max. Like those are, those are really good tournaments to play in. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Anything else you want to ask me? Uh, no. I think I think that's good. I think we covered, uh, you know, a, a wide a wide ranging stuff, a wide a wide range of of things that people are interested in, or people no one is interested in. One of the two. One of the two people, people uh, still DM me about this show. They've been like, dude, when are we getting another Corona cast? So I think people are still into it. Yeah, I, I always really like doing these. It's, it's just, it's so much different than any other show that I end up doing, just the vibe of it. But like, we've all been pretty busy, especially with golf still going yeah. on, for, especially for me. Just like uh, Mondays and Tuesdays for me are just fucking like death days. Like it, I'm working from 6 a.m. till midnight basically both those days and then sunday i have to watch all every football game <laughs> which, so what's, which sound, what's interesting which, which sounds is, like fun but at some point become like we're into week four now like by week nine it's gonna be like oh my god i just want to go home and take a nap <laughs> you ready to watch every snap of uh of jets broncos oh no i usually if it's a thursday game that i'm not interested in a sunday night game i'm not interested in or a monday night game that i'm not interested in i will watch it the next morning with uh just the plays so it takes like 15 minutes yeah, yeah, that's uh, the the condensed game on um, on game game pass. Yeah, it just that I, I try to go back and watch as many of those like any any game like I have all eight TVs in front of me at one time plus red zone as I'm watching it. But I usually try to focus in on like three or four of them and kind of switch around what I'm doing. So all the periphery ones that I don't see, I try to watch very early on a Monday morning uh, and just try to watch them as kind of not only as quickly as possible. But, um, you know, just try to get a sense of, oh, did, you know, I can look at the box score of that game. I got a sense of how it was going, but I do kind of want to see, like, what happened here? Like, I do think that there is, um, not, I'm not necessarily a grinding film like some people, but I do like to have an actual sense of these games before I talk about them, which some people just don't do, which I, I guess is fine. People don't seem to care. Yeah, I mean, I, I try and watch all the condensed games on Wednesday because on um I'm on Sunday. I just watched Red Zone. You just watch Red Zone? Yeah. Huh. Because I only I only care about my fantasy teams. I guess so, but like, if you've like have all your investment in the Seattle Dallas game, like, why wouldn't you have that one on? Because I I bet games, but I care way less about betting games than like you and Jeff do. Like, I care I care way more about my. Fantasy, like about my all my season fan all my DFS and seasonal fantasy teams. 
I gotta say, I'm to the point now where I just don't give a shit about season-long fantasy. Like it's, I tried to explain it to a guy that I watch football with who's like f- is like living and dying by every Derrick Henry carry for his season-long fantasy football team. I, I just I, he plays in like we do one uh, for all the people that go and watch. We play a DraftKings contest together. I was like, you invest almost twenty times as much money over the course of a season in this one DraftKings contest that we do with ten people than you do in this fucking fantasy football league, which I think is twenty dollars to play. Like, wh- wh- where are your priorities here? <laughs> like, how is this like killing you every week? Well, I mean, I play season-long fantasy football for a lot of money, so I sweat both. Why do you? Why, but why would you play season-long fantasy football for a lot of money? I don't understand that. When you can bet on games, which is an easier sports betting and football betting is not easy, but it's an easier way to win than high-stakes fantasy football season-long leagues. People are really bad at fantasy football. People are people are, I would say, worse at season-long fantasy football than they are at anything else. Like people just make catastrophically bad decisions all the time and are like proud of it to make these bad decisions like playing Chenault over good receivers no like just drafting like Leonard Fournette in the third round like it's like it's and and they will like they will kick and scream all the way down the tunnel and be like that was the right thing to do like it's it's really absurd how bad people are at it like I have a bunch of teams that are not even really good but that are you know, look, and also people are terrible at waivers. Like people, I just, I don't know. People are just in general, not very intelligent, but people are really unintelligent when it comes to seasonal fantasy football. Yeah. I, it just feels like an awful lot of time invested for very little return. Like, especially waivers, like waivers, just like I, I've missed waivers the last two weeks. I just don't care anymore. I'm over it. And I do a waiver wire show. Well, I mean, it, dep- it I put, depends. I put depends. more time into thinking about how much people should spend on fab and to, to talk about it on the show. And then I just completely forget myself. <laughs> Well, it's just more like, yeah, like, if, I mean, if I was playing, you know, in $150 worth of leagues, like whatever, I don't care. I wouldn't do it. But if I, you know, if I could win, you know, $35,000 over the course of the year playing seasonal fantasy football, that's enough to get me to care. Sure. I, I guess there's a breaking point for everyone, but just, I, I, I've really switched on it. Like it's uh, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I just, I also just play a lot. Like I just, maybe you need I an, just play maybe, a lot of DFS too. Maybe you need another hobby. No, I need I need to play less fantasy football probably for my mental health. Yeah, it, it seems like you've been grinding this now, like all throughout the like the the quarantine and the lockdown. You're just drafting best ball teams the entire time. Like, yeah, just maybe just having like one or two teams is the way to go. Maybe maybe like not next year, but maybe two years from now, I'll just play like five teams and that's it, and I'll just be done with it, and yeah. I'll just play a lot of DFS. That'll make my Sundays probably more relaxing hope so yeah you want to try to make sundays as relaxing as possible like you should as you said before fantasy football is supposed to be fun like watching football is supposed to be fun like i still the most pumped up i get all week is still like twelve fifty eight. like hey the games are going to start yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun and not because i have a bunch of money invested in gambling or on DraftKings. before any of that i still got hyped up to watch football at one o'clock on sundays yeah i'm 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 with you 100 percent. like i still it, it's it's it is fun like it's awesome like i i get i get jazzed up at at noon every yeah for you it's one o'clock for me it's noon and it's the best well mountain time i think is actually the best Ele- 11 a.m start is a good time when i lived in the mountain time zone like 10 a.m yeah it's a bit that's a bit early uh, it's a bit early but 11 a.m is a nice sweet spot yeah, 11 a.m. I, I always say central time is the best time, but mountain time actually does have a nice little edge. I think the issue with 
I mean, you don't care about this, but the issue with mountain time is, is lock for and NBA and MLB is five o'clock. So you're probably busy right at five o'clock and that sucks. Play the late slate. Gotta, well, you got to play all of the slates. I see. That's not, that's another thing I've been doing. I haven't played a showdown contest yet this year. Feel good. feel very proud of myself for that. If I, if I was to stop doing all, like, I can't even, I can't even tell you how much better my, my whole Zen would be if I was just like, all right, no more showdown, no more night slate, no more, uh, 10 30 AM Spanish soccer slate, like just play the main slates for all the sports. Like I would be, I'd probably be in a much better place. See, there you go. Leave it with that. Think about that and see if uh, that can happen. I will. I will think about it. Pat. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.